Welcome to Basketball on Figueroa, the only podcast breaking down everything happening with the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia, and joining me today, as usual, is my co-host, Dar E. And Viziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. Dime, what's been going on in L.A. this past week? In L.A. this past week, I've been having a great time. Um, I'm having the best stretch of my youth coaching career right now. Everything's going great there. My teams are winning. I've got some great teams. Uh, Clippers can't say much about us. Uh, can't say the same really right now. Uh, and that's about it. Oh, and LA, if you want to talk about what's happening in L.A. this weekend, I heard a lot of things about the Galaxy uh, Inter-Miami game. People were going to that. That was a big deal. $300 just to get in. Yeah, I saw prices even higher than that. Uh, for, for those who don't know, because I, I don't really talk about it too much on, on socials, but I, I'm a Galaxy fan. G's up. Uh, you know, the other team, you know, good, good luck to them with their one title, which is good for how long they've been around. But <laughs> yeah, LAFC has got great jerseys, though. Yeah, and they have a beautiful stadium. I haven't been, but it's based closer, on the images I've seen. Yeah. I've been wanting. I've, it's always been closer to wherever I've lived in L.A. I've always been closer to downtown. So, but yeah. But yeah, that game was amazing. I caught the second half. Uh, I, I spent the week uh, in Vegas, so I was getting some r and I've caught up for most of my Lakers coverage uh, and definitely watched the, the Lakers-Suns uh, game, which we'll talk about later. But I, I just got in. I got. I literally got like home around halftime. So I watched the second half, and yeah, the inevitability of Messi is horrifying. Once I saw they had seven extra minutes, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> and sure enough, a slight, like a sliding tackle, he just flicks it and scores. And I'm like, oh. again, that red card, okay, a little questionable there. I think I that factored in. I couldn't even see the game because I was at the Kings Clippers. Yeah, there's a questionable yellow card. He did slide from behind, but he pretty much missed. Um, I forgot what player from the Miami Inter Miami was fouled, but he basically missed him until the end. Like his butt, like clipped his foot, and then they called a red card. And I'm like, oh, yellow, double yellow, actually, which you know, of course, equals a red. And that left them with ten men with about 15 minutes left, and then they had seven minutes of extra time. That was just too much time for Messi and Inter Miami. So they tied the game again. They tied the game. They didn't win. Uh, like we've mentioned before, dime a player like Messi, superstar, gives. Uh, Inter Miami a great chance at winning it all, but it's going to take more than that, and that's why they bought players like Luis Suarez and all that kind of stuff. So soccer is exciting in in the MLS, probably is the most exciting it's been in a little while. And uh, the Galaxy open up their home campaign with a draw. So yeah, it was it was a wild uh, event, and you know the, the the results the result. But yeah, that's that's what's been going on. Tonight. Thanks for up, keeping me updated there. Uh, got some nice rest in Vegas. It was a good time. It was a good time to be in the Sin City, uh, enjoying the things that one enjoys there <laughs> so uh but now i'm back we're here and we're here to cover all the games that have happened we're going to cover all the games we're going to do some standing watch and we'll talk about it a little bit later but i don't know if you heard there's a new logo for the clippers clippers said new year new me i got a new stadium i got a new logo it change is coming so i can't wait to dive into that but first we're going to go into the games uh first game we have here it's actually not till thursday because, you know, we were still part of kind of the all-star break, the tail end of it uh, during this past week that just happened. We had Clippers, Thunder, as you mentioned, Dime, uh, not a great week for the Clippers. A lot of tough games and, and tough results, and this being the first one, losing 129-107. Uh, uh, my biggest takeaway before I, I hop into you is just uh, SGA. I mean, I know he's amazing, and I think this was, again, Clipper games are starting to get more attention nationally. 
And this is one of those games where I'm hearing people say, like, SGA is just so good. He's so good. People aren't noticing how good he is. And and that's been my takeaway for quite some time. I think it's one of the big reasons why the Thunder are so high this year is just SJ continues to grow. Former Clipper, part of that deal. We can talk about that as well. But what was your biggest takeaway in the, in this loss to the Thunder? Well, Edwin, this was a really big game. You know, first game after the All-Star break, winner was in place of the second seed and also won the tiebreaker because we we don't play a fourth time. This is the third and final matchup between these two teams. And so we were playing for the tiebreaker, and we lost, and we got blown out. And my big takeaway, as you said, yeah, SGA was unguardable, and so many teams in the NBA like to switch one through four, but SGA is one of those guys that you it's it's to the point where you can only switch guys that are good defenders onto him. You can't just, you know, just because you want to take away the pick and roll advantage, just switch James Harden or Norman Powell onto him. He scored on Norman Powell one-on-one four times. And, you know, some of them weren't even terrible defensive possessions for the individual, but he is just, he's got counters to everything. And I like how he doesn't bail out the defense much. He leads the NBA and drives per game. And so he gets downhill. He's also becoming a little bit of a foul baiter. A little bit is an uh, understatement. He's becoming a foul baiter, but we'll see how it, you know, what I'm really excited to see about the Thunder is we're going to see them have home court advantage, you know, 90, 99%, 95% are going to have home court advantage in this year's playoffs. So we're going to see OKC being a higher seed for the first time since 2016 and SGA have all that expectation and, you know, with an MVP caliber campaign. So it'll be very interesting to see that. But let me just say they looked more athletic than us faster than us. The amount of times they blocked us at the rim was insane. They were literally having a block party and they just got up and down the floor quicker. And Paul George was pretty unserious, you know, six for 16. He shot more times than Kawhi. And I think something that teams are starting to figure out, and we'll talk about it in the Kings game, but teams are double teaming Kawhi and they're starting to see that sometimes he takes a little too long to pass. Mm. You know, that's something that I think, LeBron and Kobe only only and I know Kawhi doesn't really belong in that conversation but he is one of the best players we've had in our time living in Los Angeles wouldn't you say easily in the top 10 Oh yeah 100% yeah he's so, top 10 the last uh you know 10 15 years yeah I, I think I think we can give you that for sure And I definitely think his game is def- closer to Kobe's than LeBron's you know in the way he plays um and when he works out of the post so much I think one thing Kobe really got good. I mean, I didn't get to see young Kobe, but I saw 24 Kobe and he was really good at passing out of the post. You know, sometimes he would see the pass and not throw it depending on who it was. But for the most part, especially in those gears with Gasol, he got doubled. He always made a good quick pass, got the ball moving nicely. And I think one of Kawhi's flaws that you can't really see until you watch him a lot is sometimes he takes a little too long to either pass out of the double or to attack before they start loading up the defense. And I think OKC used their athleticism to close out and make us, you know, make several pass, several extra passes and whatnot. And we weren't getting great shots compared to them. And Russell Westbrook was just awful. Like he just had a horrific game. He just and he kept it was it was literally Laker Russ Edwin, like just shooting uncontrollably to try to say like, hey, look, I'm 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 playing. I'm not playing that bad. You know, I'm trying to get back into rhythm and gain some favor and just chucking, just not even passing to anybody. It was wild, and he was one for nine in the game. It was it was rough. In 16 minutes, he shot as many times as Harden, and he played 13 less minutes. But, yeah, Kawhi finished with 20 points on nine for 12 shooting, and he didn't 
really play much in the fourth quarter. He came back in for 24 seconds. I think Ty was like, let's see if they can make a comeback. We cut it down to 12, and then Kawhi comes back in, and they push it to 14 within 30 seconds, and then that was it. We waved the white flag. I have to say, by the way, my last thing with this game, Chet was insane protecting the rim and his offensive ability. But Mason Plumley, when he came in for Zoo, we bled points like crazy, majorly. Um, I really, at this point, what I was thinking was, we, I think we should go back to Tice instead of Mason. Wow. Been, why is that a wow? I'm just, I'm just surprised you're, you're kind of, uh, that you brought it up. I didn't think you were going to bring that up. Well, it's going to be something we talk about as, as it goes on because it, you know, that story evolved, but that was my takeaway. And it's a really bad loss to lose by that much. We just looked slower and older, Edwin. And I think against OKC in the playoffs, things might change. It's definitely going to be more of a half-court game. But moral of the story is you need your stars to be stars. And Paul George has really been in a slump. Yeah, I know. I agree um, with that. And and it's a tough thing because you, you don't want to start looking at losses against top teams and think, are we not a top team? But it's it's an easy thing to start doing because that 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 those are the teams you have to beat. You know, I, I talk about this with, with Laker fans all the time. They're like, oh, we have to win this game. The next games are tough. They're against these top teams. I'm like, well, if you're a good team, you're supposed to beat the, the good teams. Like, I mean, you can't you can't just you're not gonna play Detroit every night. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have to. Are you a top team? Then then go. You know, if you're a two seed, you should be able to beat those three four seeds. Then right. And like, I'm not saying it's easy, but that's what you should you should do that more than you don't. Right. So uh, that's always a tough thing. Yeah. But also in the, the counter, uh, you know, argument, it's one game. These teams are good. You're going to lose some of these. You're, you're not going to have, you know, the same record against, you know, top 500, 600 winning percentage teams versus, you know, sub 500, et cetera. So it's a tough thing. You do want to see your team play better. But hopefully the losses, at least from the Clippers perspective, gives you context for these things. Thinking about bringing back uh, Daniel, thinking about. What are we going to do about the quiet thing? The, the quiet thing is interesting because I noticed that too. I usually looked at it as a positive, like, oh, you can't rush him. Even when you double him, you can't rush him. And he does ultimately get the pass out. But like you said, it's kind of like a quarterback who's a little too strong and, and the ball's like not getting completed because the, the players just can't catch it because you're just you're giving it too much power because you can't. That you got to take a little off for those guys, right? It's the same thing for quiet. Okay, you ultimately got the pass out. But by then, Shot clocks winding down. The 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 their players they're they're recovering, and now the player who got the ball is at a disadvantage. So yes, you you pass the ball out of the double team. You did not call the turnover, but is that player set up for success, or are they now behind the eight ball because you took so long to pass it to them, and now the defense already rotated, and you know the shot clocks in single digits. They got to make a move. So I think that's something you know for Kawhi to work through is you gotta you, since you have to pass the ball, you have to give it to them faster so they have a better chance of being open slash more time on the shot clock so they can rotate and swing the ball around just because you can pass out of it later. doesn't mean that it's going to end up being a positive on the offensive possession. And yeah, Russ, give his Russ, take it away. Overall, he's been great for you guys. He's been, he's been, you know, in a better role for him, but that still happens. That's there's still going to be times where the motor gets going or he's trying to push to make up for, you know, two, three plays and he tries to get an exclamation point and it, it just starts to, you know, kind of like a Chinese finger trap. Like he's trying harder and it's just making it worse that that momentum can build there. So yeah, a tough loss. But again, SGA and the Thunder have been good. My biggest concern for the Thunder is just the inexperience and what happens when things get tighter and tighter. Do they start to crumble a little bit? Because like you said, first time having home court, we've seen so many teams when they're they should win series and they don't. And the reason they don't is because they're inexperienced. And that's my biggest concern with, with, with the Thunder. On paper and from what the eye test tells me, 
they're as legit as just about everyone else, except maybe the, the, the Nuggets, probably the only team I, I definitely put up above them. But again, I have my reservations in the playoffs. It's going to be tough uh, coming out of the West. All right. Two teams <laughs> battling at the opposite side with the Lakers and Warriors, the uh, play-in classic here. And this one was rough. Uh, 128, 110, uh, Warriors came out victorious. And um, it was a tough game. Obviously, no LeBron. You know, I saw on Twitter, Dime had some words about the load management there. Uh, we're going to get into that as well. Um, but for me, it was just the, the biggest takeaway is just a couple things. One, without LeBron, it just it does put you behind the eight ball. It, it's just really hard to beat a team at winning as well as the Golden State Warriors have been the last, like, let's say two two weeks or so, something like that. They've kind of been on a roll, so it's tough to beat them. These teams know each other very well. They always play each other very competitive, regardless of how high or, or low either one is. These matchups have been a classic the last two, three years. And, I mean, Curry just went off. He had, like, four or five three-pointers in the first quarter alone. He just was on a, on a on a heater. And when you got him going like that and there's no no LeBron there to kind of help pick things up, it just kind of made it a, a scenario where it was inevitable they were going to lose this game. And, uh, yeah, it, it was disappointing for me in terms of the load management and, and all that hoopla. I wasn't as upset about it because I saw it coming. He mentioned it. He missed practice. He still came to the game. It was just one of those things, like I said, trying to look bigger picture one it was a back-to-back two was coming off of the all-star game and he's been struggling with that that ankle for a little while so for me it was just this is the probably the only time he can kind of get some work done on it before the big stretch here that's happening but i'm gonna give you the floor dime why were you frustrated or, or explain to me what, what your thought process was uh on lebron missing this game thought process is Missing the first game after the All-Star break when you were in the All-Star game just looks crazy to me. Like, I don't think, I think, you know, if this happens even six years ago, there would be more people saying something about it, but this is just the norm now. Now, LeBron, I'm not totally against him load managing given his age and the wear and tear that he's been through, you know, more than anybody in the NBA. But what I just wasn't a fan of was this is a big game coming off the All-Star break. See, some people don't think it's a big game. I think every game is a big game when you're the ninth seed with 27 and 28 games left. That's just my opinion. Now, I also think there's two ways to approach this back-to-back thing. So what I think happened was he was bound to miss one of the back-to-backs no matter what, you know, as a load management thing. It's just weird that, you know, you see a guy doing one-handed throwdowns in the All-Star game. I know that's obviously a different level of, um, you know, output, but still capable of dunking like that and then, uh, not playing in the game against the Warriors first game back on national television. And then he plays against the Spurs and I thought he was moving great. Also against the Suns, I thought he was the best Laker on the floor. So I think that was what was very frustrating for me in the sense that you're coming off the all-star break and you didn't play and you, you know, it's, it's always the, there's so many good teams that he's not played in that game. I'm not saying he's afraid obviously, because he can play against any level, but he didn't play against us one time. He missed the Boston game in Boston, and then he missed this one. And San Antonio, in my opinion, maybe this is being too confident in the Lakers, I think that without LeBron, they have a better chance of beating the Spurs than the Warriors. Now, there's also the alternative, like, you know, we're going to punt the Warriors game because we're probably, we may not even win that one with LeBron and just guarantee the win against the Spurs. But I think you should have a little more confidence in your team and that they can beat the Spurs at home and then have LeBron and AD go at it against the Warriors. Because at this game, at the, 
basically all the people that are okay with it, like yourself and others, they basically think that it, they've accepted that it doesn't matter what seed we get at this point. It's just get there healthy and see what we can do. But that will not result in a championship, and I stand on it. It will not. You can go to the conference final. I don't know why so many Laker fans combat me by saying, we made it look at last year. Did you win? What's what's the standard here? Have we lowered the standard? Why should I have a higher standard? I'm a Clipper fan. Laker fans are all about championships. You're supposed to get to the finals and win it. That's the standard. And LeBron's not getting any younger. AD's having a hell of a season. So for me, the strategy of let's see what happens, I think the Lakers are good enough because of LeBron and AD to win a round or two if it clicks, but to go all the way to win every single series on the road it's just a lot. Like it's just, that's not a crazy take for me, but if Laker fans are content with just losing in the second or third round, then fine. Then you absolutely just seating doesn't matter. Just get there healthy. Cause LeBron is that good. And AD is that good. But when it comes to winning the whole thing and that's, I stand by with the stand by it with the Clippers. And I know we'll get into that with standings watch. So that was my thing. I just think he's missed a lot of these big matchups this season. And I just think one game after the all-star break missing it when every game counts, it was just like, you know, and I was I was just like, where's the urgency here? And of course, the reason why I have a problem with it is because again, the goat. So we're holding him to a high standard here. And it's not about MJ, it's about everyone, you know, all the greats. I know he's outlasted them and he is the king of longevity, but he's still one of the best players in the NBA, and he holds a lot of responsibility for this Lakers team. And maybe we got to start approaching our outlook of LeBron in the regular season differently going into next season, regardless if the Lakers don't win this year and they want to bring LeBron back, you're going to need more regular season assistance because it's been three consecutive years that you're probably not going to finish in the playoff one through six outright. So No, yeah, you're, 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 you made some good points. Uh, again, we, we disagree a little bit on, on certain things. Again, it's not that it's not that I'm okay with not winning. It's just like, hey, you got to look at you got to look at what the facts are. If you told me, hey, Edwin, your life's on the line, I'm not picking the Lakers to win the championship. You know, if you told me that's on the line, I'm not picking them to make the Western Conference Finals. I, I, I might not pick them for any of it. Just I'm like, well, my life's on the line. That's a little, it's a little risky. I mean, they might miss the whole thing. So that's just where they're at. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, whether that's roster construction, coaching decisions, you know, just the contracts they have, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not punting the year either. I still think they have a chance to make some noise. And who knows? You know, you never know how well things are clicked. They did get close last year. They they lost to the champs. That's the only team that really was able to got swept. Beat. Yeah, yes, but the games were close. It was like four points here, eight points here, three points here. You're right. You know what other series was close that it was a sweep? Detroit versus Cleveland in 2016, but no one brings oh, it up. Oh, come on. I'm yeah, I'll be serious. It was some good games. That was an underrated starting five. Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, and KCP. All five of them played in L.A. at one point in the future. How funny is that? that? That is wild. That's a wild stat. But yeah, it's just it's just a matter of look. He's older. He's dealing with the issue. He has to miss the game. I think the only reason he missed that game was just the dates. I think if they're flipped, which of course we'll never know. But if it was Spurs Warriors, it's just the, the extra day get him off. The extra rest. Yeah. Yeah. Understand. Exactly. Give him the extra day because then to make him come back and then he's got to miss again for a procedure or just to get the. It's like, well, why'd you come back if you're gonna miss the next day? So it was kind of a tough thing. Of course, yes. Anytime, anytime LeBron or AD miss. Although, you know, you're saying that we've lowered the standard. Every time LeBron AD missing the back-to-backs, I hear it's it's an issue. People are mad. But why From are you missing? Why are you missing? Laker fans as well? Yeah, yeah. Because, okay. again, they, they also feel the sense of urgency. They're like, oh, why is he missing this game? We need him. Why didn't, you know, uh, last year, I don't know if you remember, but when the Lakers were deep in that play-in run, uh, 
AD missed the game because they've pretty much they didn't say it on the record, but we all knew that he was never going to play back to backs, even when they really needed him to. And again, that probably was a decision outside of AD's choice, as you know, the Clippers have dealt with as well. But it was there's a big hub about that. And I promise you, I haven't seen the schedule for any back to backs, but if one of them misses, there'll be a section of people kind of upset about it, which I get. It makes sense. The team's not where they want to be. You, the, the margin for error is really small. So I just think it's just one of those things that it's going to happen sometimes. And, and this was one of the scenarios. And yes, of course, the loss didn't help. Uh, it's not good. And, the, and they're competing with the Warriors as well in the standings. They're right under, right behind each other. We'll, we'll get into standing watch later, but it's going to be a close race. And these are head-to-head matchups. So it's a tough thing, but it's just, it's just kind of how things went down. And you just got to hope at the end, you know, like you said, it's going to be close. So you just have to win as many games as you can because likely there'll be a couple of teams that will definitely be complaining about, oh, we only – we were two games behind. If, if we you – know this game, that game, that's that's kind of how tight things are in the, in the West where people are going to be complaining about uh, every little thing because it's probably going to come down to the wire there. All right. So uh, looking at the next game we have here, we have Clippers-Grizzlies. This was a nice, easy win for the Clippers. 101.95. Well, at least maybe not easy, but well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, let me let me finish. Easy on paper win for the Clippers, right? Because the Grizzlies were a lower team. We both picked the Clippers to win. We thought they'd coast to it. They did ultimately get there, but as I was trying to lead you up to, it didn't end up being quite as smooth as, as desirable. But they did get the result they wanted. So we talked about the fact that um, despite the Grizzlies, obviously, you know, they don't have job. They have the, the the injury list is just continues to filter in and out. It gets big. G League players, Scotty Pippen Jr. is out there. But they have been giving that effort, that kind of dangerous effort you'll see teams usually like maybe next month do, where like you, you'll look back and you're like, hey, they won like, you know, 15 of the last 20 games. Like, yeah, but they were like trying hard and other teams were in other spots, right? The Grizzlies kind of got there early with, unfortunately, all their entries. So the grid and grind Grizzlies, like, what made the game harder than we kind of imagined? Because we, we both kind of said, oh, they'll win it. They're the, the more elite team. So kind of kind of what caused it to be a little bit more of a headache than, than was uh, first uh, thought of last week? Again, another team that has youth and athleticism that was bothering our stars. You know, Zaire Williams and Vince Williams were guarding two-on-three, PG and Kawhi, and doing a pretty good job. You know, they're long wings that can that are strong you know, cause some problems for them. And then Kawhi, I thought was what kind of turned the game around in the third quarter. He and Zubats's defense, you know, they really turned that around. But I mean, I think a lack of urgency, a lack of attention to detail, carelessness with the ball. Listen to this. Paul George had five turnovers. Kawhi had six turnovers, which is super rare. Harden had four and Russ had three. So the big four had 18 turnovers between the four of them. Just insane carelessness with the ball. It was such a bad performance, Edwin. We're so lucky that we weren't playing against a good team. Terrence Mann was a standout. He had his best game of the season, 23 points uh, and ten re- and 12 rebounds. Uh, and Kawhi was good, but PG, again, 37 minutes, 5 for 12. He, was, he made some big shots in the fourth, but I just thought the entire team had a lack of urgency. And then we shot really poorly. Uh, actually, no, we, we actually shot decently from three, but I'm – they, I remember they had 20 more shot attempts than us at halftime. So turnovers, rebounds, we're just getting worked. But we ultimately ended up getting the job done. James Harden had one field goal. And it was a huge three late in the game. But he was one for eight. So I was not encouraged by the performance at all. And I'll say this, Edwin, of every game we've had this season, 
you know, a win is a win, right? But this was the first one where a win didn't feel like a win, even because it was such a bad performance. Like it, and it's and it's coming off a loss. This year, the Clippers have had the championship tendency in the regular season in the sense that when they lose, they come back like, okay, we're not trying to lose two in a row. This was really like, if we're playing a better team, I don't know. Maybe we would have had a better sense of urgency, but you know what I mean? It was really bad. 101.95. Yeah, 101.95. Yeah, like you said, the, the third quarter, the second half was really where they, they turned it up and said, okay, let's play, you know, and, and you got those performances you needed to kind of push it over. You know, the Grizzlies still stuck around. Like I said, they've been they've been a try-hard team uh, the last, like, 10, 20 games or so, and that's kind of worked out for them record-wise in terms of winning more than we expected. You know, they're not going to make any noise. We don't talk about them in standings watch for that reason. They're, they're, they're out of it. But they're a dangerous team because, like you said, they're they're giving that try-hard effort, and those are guys, you know, fighting for contracts, fighting for opportunities, trying to prove that they belong in the league. And, and when you get players like that for a long stretch where they know, hey, probably not going to get pulled, so, you know, I'm, I'm passing it up and we're going to go for it, they can be kind of dangerous. They're, they're a team that, yeah, uh, every team should consider that a win, but every team has to be aware of, hey, th- those kids are trying out there, so you better, like, not play around in that first quarter or else, you know, you might be in for a long night. And although I wouldn't say the Clippers were playing around, uh, it was still the Grizzlies were definitely bringing the energy to to give them problems and make it a game more than, you know, we, we originally thought it was going to be. Now, Lakers-Spurs, this is actually the first game this season where I have not watched it up to this point because, again, I was out of town, uh, so I've actually missed it. So, um I'm hoping you can kind of take the charge here on Lakers Spurs. I know they won. I saw a few highlights and heard, uh, you know, LeBron talking very fondly of Coach Popovich. Heard Wemby had a good game, but other than that, I kind of just saw the stats and 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 saw a couple of the post game interviews. Um, one, how much of it did you watch? Did you watch the full game? And what were your thoughts if you did, uh, you know, watch the full Lakers Spurs matchup? I only saw bits and pieces of the second half, and what I was surprised with was that the Spurs were in it for so long. You know, they were staying in it. Wemby was very impressive as he's been in several games against the Lakers this season. Um, he didn't shoot super well, but 27 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, five steals and five blocks. Like, are you kidding me? Kid is um, special. It's yeah, absolutely. And then, but Anthony Davis was also pretty special. 28 and 13, 10 for 14 shooting. And then LeBron looked really, really good. Looked healthy to me. 30, <laughs> Seven and nine. Listen, I mean, if this guy is injured at that age, then like he's just God. But see, some of his fans think he really is. So that that's the thing. Look, like, that, that those extra hours, you know, you, when when you're older, that, that little extra time can can work wonders. I mean, he, I, yeah. Well, I think he still could have suited up, but I get it. Precaution. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah. he he was pretty excellent. And then D'Angelo Russell kind of picking up where he left off. Twenty two points, uh, eight for eighteen shooting. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't watch and sit down and analyze this super like like I usually sure. do. Um, the one thing that sticks out to me, super random, just looking at the box score, Spencer Dinwiddie, zero points, over six, but plus 21 in the plus minus. So, like, I don't know if he had a good impact or he played badly, <laughs> but I know he shot poorly in both the Warriors game and the Spurs games. Just something to keep an eye on since he's a new Laker. But, yeah, yeah for I sure. Wish I, had more, I wish I had more for you. Oh, no, you're all good. Yeah, he's a new Laker. He's still getting situated. Uh, obviously, he's a professional basketball player, and he, he knows, like, the way the offense is run is just uh, a lot of the things he discussed and, and Ham discusses like terminology, like just getting used to, you know, how they phrase things, how they word things, getting comfortable with, with the terminology of the offense, more so than the offense itself. He understands the offense fine, but it still takes some time. And, you know, again, getting in that rhythm, new role, new team. Uh, also, it was 
weird. He came in, played a couple games, basically took a week off with All Star, coming back. He's, is you know, he'll his March will be uh, really big for the Lakers, and how he looks throughout March is really what I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, for him and seeing what kind of role he gets. But yeah, Lakers Spurs, Spurs Lakers supposed to win that game. They still took care of business, um, so that that's important, especially since the very next game was this past Sunday. The the matinee. I always tell fans, I know you know this very well, time that. I hate those matinees. They're just always, they're always a little weird. That was a little funny. And this one was no different. This time it was in Phoenix. So it wasn't like one of those back-to-back crypto matinees. It was in Phoenix at 1230, but the result was the same. I mean, Phoenix just came out lazy. 45-28 in the first quarter, 18-1 run in the first. That really, that was really the game because the Lakers had to play catch up the rest of the way. They did ultimately cut the lead down to, I believe, two points in the third quarter. But again, once they did that, you know, Grayson Allen would hit a three, Booker would hit a shot, they'd go on another little run, and it just, they never actually fully came back or ever took the lead after that. It was, they played catch up the rest of the way. And again, they say it's not how you start, but how you finish, but how you start can decide how you finish. And that's exactly what happened with the Lakers. They just, a bad first quarter and, and they couldn't get past it. So, and it really wasn't, you didn't get those monster games from, uh, you know, uh, KD or Booker. They were fine, they were good, they weren't bad or anything like that. But it, it really wasn't that. It was just, a, a true team effort from the the Suns uh, taking care of business. And, you know, people talk about that free throw discrepancy, but it was not there for the Lakers. They only had eight free throw attempts total, uh, the lowest in, in the entire season compared to the Suns' uh, 19, and they went 18 for 19. So that was a big swing. Again, I'm not going to complain about officiating. I, I always get annoying. People do. It happens sometimes. You know, Lakers have to make their comments and show the league whatever. They were pounding the paint. AD was kind of getting in foul trouble early as well. That happens with big sometimes, as you know, a couple of tic-tac fouls, and then, you know, you're trying to play tentative or you got to get benched, but it just wasn't their night. And Phoenix continues to look good, continues to start to press and, and climb up the rankings. That's my biggest takeaway from that, you know, and hopefully, you know, the Lakers have some more tough games coming up. So they're going to have to, again, just like the Clippers, you're going to have to beat some good teams in the West if you don't want to start falling because we're getting to that point of the year. And in our divisions, it's like nothing but playoff teams. So you're going to have to step up and win some games late here because it's going to be a tough uh, stretch here. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, Suns-Lakers? I didn't get to watch the full game, sadly. Um, but I will say, yeah, what you said about the other guys beating you, I thought that was interesting. You know, Grayson Allen's been shooting super well from three this season. I think he leads the league in three-point percentage. Had a good game. Then you had Roy – didn't Royce O'Neal have like 20 points? Yeah, he had 20 points. That's insane. So – the other guys shot lights out. They shot 42.5% from three, but funny enough, the Lakers shot better from three than them by 0.4%. Shout out Derek Fisher. But is it true that Nurkic bodied Anthony Davis? I was hearing that Nurkic like, like scored on him a bunch. Is that true? I wouldn't say he bodied him, but he was he was going after him. I think that the problem was, again, some of those fouls Eight, early. Oh my, sorry to cut you off. 18 <laughs> points, 22 rebounds, and seven assists. What is Will Chamberlain? <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say body, but he was he was putting in that work, and he was getting uh, he was he had a good night. Uh, he he went at, he went after it, and I, like I said, AD just had also a weird like game. It was the most passive I think I've seen him all season. It was like it was like a old AD, bad AD. I'm like, hey, what, what's going on? He's not getting the ball, but he also had a couple foul calls, and I think that kind of got in his head a little bit. As you know, that's always a problem when, when players get foul calls early. You gotta remind them, hey, I don't care if you get a third foul, as long as if you're in there, just play your game. And I think that was part of it, too. He got a little bit lackadaisical. He was getting a little bit worried about the whistle. And that hurt him on both sides of the ball. So he, he really never really got going, even though his his numbers kind of look like, oh, it, it's 
you know, not not too different from what you normally get, but it's how it happened. Like he was a slow first half, and that first half was everything. Like I said, that first quarter blew it open, and after that, it didn't really kind of matter. They just played catch up the rest of the way, and they just weren't able to do it, especially on the road. So it was just one of those games like that. Uh, hopefully, like I said, it's not a, a trend. I, I don't think it necessarily will. It's just the, the Suns played a really great game, and the Lakers just start off slow. So uh, you, you can't start that slow. That was a big issue earlier in the season. Uh, they would always have really bad first first quarters. That hasn't really been an issue lately. This was one of those games. And it's the first time the new starting lineup with Rui implementing it has lost the game. They were 6-0. and Now they're 6-1. and So it's the first loss they've had with that, that new starting five. Uh, but again, I, I don't think it's too much to worry about. I think the team's still going to be fine. Uh, the Suns just got the better of them. Speaking of a top Western Conference team getting the better of the Los Angeles team, we have Clippers Kings 123-107. Another L. Man, we rough rough week here for us here, Diane. We just <laughs> we're reviewing the 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 good performances from from other West Coast teams here, but uh, the Sacramento Kings took care of business, winning uh, 123 to. 107. Um, again, we were talking about SGA, and uh, today we're gonna be talking about Darren Fox because 33 points. I mean, my goodness, that that was <laughs> that's a really good one. Again, surprisingly, he's not a starter or an all star at all, but the West is just so stacked in the guard position, that's just kind of how it happens, right? I think it's one of those things that, especially you as a historian, have to remind people when we look at his career, it's probably gonna look a little light. We're like, hey. There were some really stacked Western Conference positions that he just couldn't get past uh, certain guards. But uh, tell me about this game. Um, why uh, did the Kings kind of, you know, take care of business and, and cruise to victory here, especially, you know, scoring so much, 123 and, and multiple 30-point quarters uh, in this game? So I was back in Staples Center for this one. My first time seeing the Kobe statue, Edwin. And oh, wow. What do you think? Okay, so I thought – it's beautiful outside of the face is okay. You know, I know people have said that, um, but it's beautiful. And I'll say this, it really stands out. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, it's dead center of star Plaza, like dead center, right? Two, it's the tallest statue with his finger pointing in the air. It's much taller than the others. Although, I, okay. It might technically not be taller than Shaq's because yeah. it's hung up. But you can it just sticks out when you see it from afar, it sticks out. And I think it's really fitting that Magic and Kobe statues are the biggest in some way because they're the best Lakers. Because Kobe's is the tallest, but his body is the normal size of all the other statues. But if you look at Magic's statue, it's like the Magic's actual body, it's huge. And I think it's because it was the only the second statue they had made. The other ones are more similar to the others, but it's gigantic. And I think that is uh fitting, you know, for those two Lakers. But Everybody was gathered around it. The other statues, maybe one or two pictures. Every, anybody could take a picture with it. Everybody, it was a circle around it. An hour before the game, Edwin, at a Clipper game. So it just tells you what kind of – and I definitely got the sense that it's a Sunday game. There's a lot of foreigners, a lot of people speaking a different language. So it gave me that vibe, total sellout. And it felt more Sacramento Kings fans than normal at a Clipper game because weekend they're playing well. And I saw on Twitter that there was like a couple of like Facebook groups that made like a trip out of it. So they were loud, like a good 30 to 35% of the stadium was Kings fans, which is wild. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Not usual uh, Kings Clippers, but especially now that they're good, you know, all the Kings fans that probably didn't, wouldn't bother to even try to come out here and, you know, come out of the woodworks now, but, yeah, I thought it was awesome to see the statue. Um, yeah, no, no, Northern California had a lot of has a lot of um, 
ex Laker fans that have turned local um, all of a sudden. I'm not sure why that happened, but <laughs> I think wow. we both know why it happened. <laughs> ex in Northern California that were ex Laker fans that became local. Yeah, yeah, that became like they went from like uh, Laker fans to Warrior fans oh, to Warriors Kings fans. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll say this too. Um, I like the triangular base as well in the stat, and also the the bot like the base of the statue is the coolest one of all of them with having the box score. I think that's sick, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was dope. The one thing I think is insane about it though, and I mentioned this to you earlier, it is literally right like less than. 15 feet behind those pots right when you hit the sidewalk at Staples Center. So, like, after games, it is so crowded outside Star Plaza walking right there, especially because people want to stop and take a picture. I mean, it's mayhem. So, they – I was shocked they put a statue there. It's even closer to the street than Kareem's. But, yeah, that's my takeaway. That Which, again, I'm asking you about Drew Dowdy, Andre Kopitar, and then the other two Kobe statues. How much room do we have at Star Plaza? I mean, seriously, <laughs> people are going to stand in line and walk places. But anyway, the game was another case of us getting beaten by a younger team, but we didn't have Paul George, who they said was out with a sore knee. Now, I know he's been dealing with a groin injury, and he hasn't been playing well, but it's a lot of the same stuff he normally does wrong, even when he's injured. Now, what scares – I'm hoping – this knee thing, it was just his second game being load managed this season. Yeah. Because we can't have him be injured. We played without him. And even though he's been struggling, you could really see his impact. Um, you know, we could feel that his impact was missing on both ends of the floor. You know, his size defensively. We started Norman Powell. We usually have been starting Amir Coffee instead when Paul George has been out. And Norm let up two offensive rebounds in the first quarter that they scored on. So I think that set a bad tone for the game. And again, just the team looks slow, lethargic. Kawhi taking a little too long to pass out of those doubles again. We did get Daniel Tyson this game instead of Plumlee. So we gave it a shot, and I think he was a little better. He had a really nice dunk. But James Harden had a horrible game. I mean, several turnovers. He shot two for ten from three. And as a team, we never got going from three. And then Russ, he had a good plus minus, but he was three for ten and very erratic again. Um, the only bright spot, Terrence had a really good game again, and Zoo's starting to round back into form. But they we couldn't stop De'Aaron, as you said. And then we had guys like Harris and Barnes have great games. Like the Kings just played really well. And my takeaway from this game, Edwin, was the Kings played better defense than I've seen him play in the Mike Brown era. They really played good D. And it was mainly Keegan Murray and De'Aaron Fox, the point of attack, locking up Harden. But yeah, uh Kawhi needed to be better, and we really missed Paul George. And now, Edwin, we're in the fourth spot. But I guess that'll take us to standings watch anyway. But those are my takeaways. The Kings just outplayed us in every way. And rebounding again was an issue. And now you're starting to see that maybe the Clippers made a mistake not going for another forward or big body because we are getting killed on the glass and we're not playing Bones. We're not playing Brandon Boston. We're not playing Kobe Brown. We have not had much squad rotation. The Lakers, for example, have gone 10-11 deep consistently this season, especially because they've mm -hmm. had to with role player injuries. Clippers have really only gone 9-10 to 10 deep at most Kobe Brown, yeah, PJ no, Tucker, they've barely gotten some run. And then PJ Tucker has been playing the last two games and he hasn't looked very good at all. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I, I wouldn't say mi mistake is strong, but I think they should have picked up a big on the waiver wire. They still can't a big, or a big, yeah. a big forward because we have three centers, a big forward, a big forward. Yeah. Uh, they, they need some, they need some depth there. I think they're a little bit light. Um, I'm not sure who they can still pick up. I'd have to look at the, you know, what's available. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a star, but you just you just need a body that can take a shift or two that you trust. That's all you need. It doesn't have to be 
a world beater or anything like that. You're not going to get one on the waiver wire at this point. But can you get someone who you're like, you know what? Eight minutes, game two of of, of a series, I trust you. I, I think they can. They think that might be still something they need to consider before we have to finalize rosters for for the playoffs, uh, which there's still a little bit of time, but but not much. So, uh, yeah, and I think they should have done that probably earlier and just just addressed it. It was like one of the few things the Clippers had to address or had were considering addressing, given how good they've been and how deep they've been. Kind of everything's been going good. It was it's a marginal thing, and it's not the end of the world, but. Again, you see these kind of performances, and you're like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we could have used another body there. That, that might be a wise decision. And they'll have to either try to scramble and get something or just ride it out with what they have now. So we'll kind of see what that what, what goes on with that. Um, as far as the statue goes, yeah, the statue's incredible. It's awesome. You know, I talked about seeing it the first time when it was out there. I, I don't leave early enough from the games to actually see the people exiting. But obviously, I, I'm there way before, so I see how many people line up for it. And, yeah, it, it's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I do also wonder where everything's going to fit, but I'm, I'm sure they're going to make it work. And yeah, it looks, it looks incredible. Like you said, it, it's the closest to the curve and it's bigger in the sense that from top to bottom, it just, it just looks like a presence it's right in the middle. It's huge. And with the hand pointing up, it just kind of like, you see it from afar and you see the people crowded around it. And also good Zach, if you, this is a great time if you want to get a picture with magic or the shack statue, because everyone's surrounded by there. Right. And I leave, I leave the games pretty late. Usually, like a, about two or three hours after the game's over is when I'm walking out of Staples. And whenever I eat, and so far it's only been a couple games, you know, since you know the statue's been unveiled. But so far, there's even then there's still like three, five, ten people around it at like two in the morning. So it's been pretty incredible. I have not yet. I've yet to see it unattended. There's always been someone there. And again, the the stature of Kobe and all that it goes beyond any team or anything he's an NBA legend period so he's always going to get that respect even when the Clippers are playing another team and whatever it's the main attraction add to the fact that it's also new and most for most people it's the first time because it's only been around for you know a couple weeks so it's going to be like that around around Staples Center for you know not probably a year or so before it becomes like okay it's normal we've all kind of seen it or whatever it's going to be like that so it's got a, a very interesting energy Speaking of interesting energy, I woke up today and I opened Twitter. And I'm like, the Clippers have a new logo? What, what's, what's going on here? And then uh, ESPN released uh, this wonderful article detailing kind of some of the changes that are going to be happening uh, with the Clippers as they enter uh, the Intuit Dome next year. They're not just going to enter the new stadium. They're going to enter a new stadium they own, they run, they operate. And to kind of celebrate that and kind of you know, get in front of that, they're, they're doing some changes. So I'm going to read here from the um, the actual article from ESPN describing kind of the rationale besides behind the logo and the changes they've made. So it says here that um, the concept of direction of forward momentum struck a chord. The result is a sharp new primary icon mixing the motifs of a compass and a naval ship. So that's kind of the difference between the logo. The color scheme is mostly classic Clippers, though with a new emphasis on navy blue. The ship is the centerpiece. There might be some snark about its resemblance to a swimming shark, but the team is probably okay with that. The Clippers wanted the ship to look menacing as if it were coming at you, official set. So the logo is still, that's from ESPN. The logo is still fairly new. It's really fresh. We haven't actually seen it on jerseys, on people. I know there's a a, a big event at the Grove uh, today. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to attend it. If I knew ahead of time, I probably would have been like, you know, what, let me just just for curiosity's sake, let me see what's going on. But I saw that there there's some things in the Grove happening with the logo and and a, a Terrence Mann meetup and stuff. Seems like people were excited. But 
for right now, for the most part, all we have is images and like, you know, still screenshots of what it's going to look like. Uh, Dime, this is your team. This is everything for you. This is a big shift. And I always say this for logos before I get your comment. It doesn't matter. You could change any logo in any thing. Half the people are going to love it. And half the people are going to think it looks like crap compared to the last one. That's always going to happen. I don't care if we're talking about cereal, sneakers, teams. It's always controversial when you change a logo for the most part, no matter what. But tell me, so far, it's fresh. What are your thoughts on this rebrand? I don't know if I've spoken about it on Basketball and Figueroa, but I despise that dojo logo that we've had for nine years. When we changed our great uniforms, in my opinion, to that in the 2015-16 season, I couldn't wait for us to change from that. I, I purposely, Edwin, I've bought two jerseys in the last nine years, and they've both been the blue Clipper jerseys, and I only have bought those because they don't have that logo on it, and it's not, I love the blue color, but I don't like that block lettering. We've removed this cursive, if you're watching on YouTube, You'll see I have the hoodie on with the cursive. The only season that they've brought back cursive since 2015 was that 2021-22 season where we had that light blue city edition that was really fire that kind of resembled the San Diego days. And that's a jersey I regret not getting, by the way. But we only saw the cursive come back for the city edition theme stuff that season. We haven't had a jersey with cursive on it besides that. And we haven't had a red jersey in seven years. And I hate that logo. And I refuse to wear Look, I'm going to give you an example. <laughs> this hat was given to me for free by the Clippers before the season for being in Section 207. I will not wear it. I won't wear this logo. And I've been adamant about that. And I have bought so much less merch over the last nine years. Everything's been giveaways and stuff. And, I, yeah, I have a very crazy collection now. But I've been waiting for us to change that LAC garbage logo for so long. So when I saw that announcement yesterday at the game that we we're going to have a big announcement and PG has been hinting about red jerseys um, on podcast P I was like, Oh my God, I think the day is here. We're finally going to change this garbage logo. It may not be what it once was, but it can't get worse. And I'll tell you, Edwin, <laughs> it absolutely didn't. I think it doesn't necessarily look like a basketball team's logo or a sports team's logo. It looks kind of like a clothing brand, but, I like the sailboat because it is something related to the actual Clipper name. It's funny how many people I saw on Twitter find out today that a, the Clipper was a sailboat and used to have so many ports in San Diego or whatnot. So I like that. The compass is interesting, but I think it's unique. You know, nobody else has this kind of logo in uh, American professional sports, at least that I know of. So I liked it more than the current one, which is all that matters. Do I like it as much as the OG? Probably not, but a lot of people think that was imitation Lakers. It just kind of looked, looked like the Laker logo. So this is original, and the jerseys, Edwin, so much better. I mean, let's just start with the fact that we brought the cursive back for all for, – for two of them. I like the white. I don't necessarily like it as much as the original whites that I grew up with, with the Elton Brand era and then the Chris Paul era, the Lob City, but it's pretty nice, like good enough for me to buy. And then the red jersey, the red is beautiful. I am so glad that we brought back red for the Clippers because that is our iconic color to me. And I wish that the writing, though, was white, just like the number. It's black or blue, I think. So it's kind of hard to see a little bit. It might be hard to see when you're at a game. I'm but... looking at the picture right now. Can you, can you say it again? What was the you, – you, what did you, you want the white to have? The red jersey. I think that I right. wish that the letters on the Los Angeles were white. Because they so they match the number, 
They're blue. Yeah, yeah they're blue and the, the they're they're blue and the number and the the Jordan brand is white. Yeah, so I just think that may be a little hard to see in person, that Los Angeles part. But for the most part, I love the color, and I'm so ecstatic that we're going back to red. And I think the navy blue one is actually my favorite just because I like the color contrast of the Clippers in cursive. I think it, the contrast is better than that red one. And I just love – I'm a fiend for that cursive to come back. That's the Clippers I know. And I think I'm going to have to buy all three of these, Edwin. I haven't bought a jersey in nine years. I go to more games than ever now, and I, I've been waiting for this. Like I've been waiting for us to get jerseys I like <laughs> again. It's so whack when you don't like your favorite sports team stuff. And I'll tell you a team of mine that I'm not a huge fan of there, rebrand, even though we won a Super Bowl under it. I think the Rams jerseys look – that little yellow stripe makes me think like it's the Chargers. I didn't like when we rebranded. I So when the Rams rebranded, yeah, that's tough because actually right now I got the the OG one right, right. here uh, on my uh, in my on my T-shirt if you're watching on, on YouTube. Uh, so I do like the I think the rebrand needed to happen because, you know, you're changing cities, even though they already were technically here. They're like, OK, we really got right. to start. You know, I did, same thing. Same reason the, the Clippers are right. Obviously, no one's going to think this is a new team. But it's kind of like that whole new year, new me mentality. Hey, we got we got a new stadium. Let, let, let's what else can we change? Let, let, let's let's spruce things up, right? And you don't want to keep things the same because they start to get stagnant and old and stale. And like you said, people didn't already didn't like the logos. They're like, eh, it's just an LAC. Okay, whatever. So it's like, okay, you gotta re, you gotta do little touch-ups here and there. And this was a big one, right? Because it's part of a big the Clippers have been trying to Balmer's been focused, at least from my perspective, on establishing the Clippers separate from the Lakers and being a great experience as the Clippers alone and get out of that shadow. Now, of course, they, maybe they'll, maybe in some ways they'll always be in that shadow, the 17-0, 17-1 when that happens, whatever. But regardless, he's, he's focused on what can I do to establish this? And that that's what the stadium's about. That's what having a new logo's about. That All that's garnered towards we're doing our own thing. It's going to be cool. It's going to be like this. You want to stay over there? That's fine. But whoever wants to come through, this is what we're offering. And this kind of thing, like you said, sparks interest, gets sales up, gets merchandise. Does that win games? Not necessarily, but it's all part of building momentum, you know, getting people excited. People are going to make – NBA fans are going to make the trip to to L.A. to go to the Intuit Dome just to check it out. Be like, hey, you know what? Let me let me see it. Like, how, how good is this stadium? It's going to be all part of that experience, which helps with branding, which helps with value, which helps with getting free agents excited about – Going there instead of maybe the Lakers, if the Lakers aren't available, or just being there because it's enticing to be in Los Angeles and be in a brand new stadium and be a star, even in the Clippers' perspective compared to the Lakers. So it's all part of that. And yeah, for the most part, I like it. I do like the naval ship thing. To me, it's weird. It kind of clothing brands interesting. I kind of for some reason I don't know if it's because of the sea surrounding the ship, but it kind of reminds me of like a like a crypto like kind of uh, like like a new coin or something. Obviously the Lakers are playing in crypto.com arena. So that's the whole thing, but it just kind of reminds me of that. It kind of reminds me of that crypto kind of thing. And then it's got the colorways and the Intuit dome. You know, they, they also just kind of showed what the floor is going to look like. You know, of course these things can always change, but it's probably what it's going to be being that the, the new season starts, you know, in October, I don't think it's going to change that radically from now to then, but that's interesting. But yeah, overall, I think this was a good idea. I like it more than the other one as well, especially I never really thought about the Clippers logo. I'm like, oh, it's okay. But they, they on the article, they show like the old image. And now to me, it looks like, oh man, this is like, you know, like you did it really fast. <laughs> like like one of the thumbnails we do, like really just quickly whip it up. It's fine. Uh, but obviously this is way more important than that. It, it's a, a logo for a billion dollar organization. So it, it should be looking sharper. I think it looks pretty good. They show it in different variants. And yeah, what I think, let me ask you this. 
close your eyes or mentally close your eyes. When you see the red Clippers jersey, who's wearing it? Well, Paul George was wearing it in that picture, so that's the first person that comes to my mind. No, no, I mean, I mean in general, like the throwback one. Oh, which which red Clipper jersey? Just any red Clipper jersey? Because I, I said when you think of years prior, you see a red Clippers jersey from back in the day. Who's rocking it in your mind? Well, remember we had three different red jerseys. We had the Lob City era. We had the Elton Brand early two thousands era. So I'll put you this way: when I see the red old the 2000s era one, I usually think of Corey Maggette or Sam Cassell. That was the first two. And then when I see the red one, I always think of Chris or Blake. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those, even though obviously I'm more on the Lakers perspective, those teams were fun. Um, to me, the, the biggest Clipper legend in my mind is just Jamal Crawford because he's such a bucket getter and he's yeah. so fun. And, and as time's gone on, he's, he's one of the, well, I won't say one of the few, but He's one of the people who's made the transition to the media without being a clown, you know? <laughs> so I, yeah. I definitely appreciate that with, with, with Jamal Crawford. He's, he's very, I think he's very well liked in NBA circles. Cause like, Super man, you were well just liked. a great six man. And even now he's not talking about, you know, Oh, if I was around today, I dropped 35, you know, I would have five championships. He, he just loves the game and he just advocates for the game. Uh, so that, that's one of my favorite Clippers. I, I think of him so much when I think of like, you know, years prior so yeah it, it's exciting time it's going to be interesting and i'm not sure when i'm going to make the trip to the into it though you know I've, I've never i've only been to one clipper game in my life and that was lakers clippers this year i've never been to a clipper game straight up and i wonder i wonder when i'll make the trip next year i might make it earlier than i thought i was at first i, I thought oh, i'll just get there when the lakers play i might you have should, to pull up earlier you should go to one clipper game that's just clippers versus someone at stable center before we end it because you might as well before we it's over. You're right. You're right. I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what a game would be. Okay. So like a game, our last regular season game. Uh, against Utah. Aren't I banned from the wall? I, 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 aren't I like unable to be in the wall? No, not, not if you don't wear like Laker gear or whatever you can literally, and you don't even, what's interesting is there's some people that sit in 207, but they'll just sit towards the top that aren't like on their feet the whole game or anything like that. Just kind of watching and clapping and, you could get away with that also. But even if you didn't get uh, want to be in 207, um, we play the Jazz, the last regular season game of the season, and I don't think that'll be that expensive. Um, okay. We actually play the Jazz again on April 5th, so that may be even less expensive because the last game of the regular <laughs> season, you might get like fan appreciation stuff. So sure. I'd say I would target those two games against the Jazz. March 25th against Indiana might be afford pretty affordable, and same with March 17th against the Hawks. So those are some good options, Edwin. I think you should go to one of them. Or if yeah, you want to go to the Bucks and see Giannis, that'd be a, oh, I, I, like a big time matchup. <laughs> it's probably a little expensive. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, you know, po pockets ain't light here on Best One Figure All, but but we'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll see. Yeah, I probably should just just because you said, like you said, it's the last time that'll happen, probably, uh, unless something you know, there's an issue with the stadium or you know something weird happens. Uh, it, it's probably not gonna. It's probably probably the last time the Clippers play there, so that might be interesting. And yeah. Um, there might be, it's, it's interesting. The final game might actually have an increase because it's the last one. You might actually get like a lot of fans right. coming through for that as well. Kind of like the Lakers when, again, they just renamed, uh, Staples to crypto. I was there for that game because I am like, it's the last time it's going to be called Staples. And even though it's kind of silly to like romanticize the name, it's a different era. It, it changed. Right. So, um, so I was there for that and that was kind of especially a little tribute. I'm sure the Clippers are going to do a bunch of tributes for themselves. It's like a goodbye to our home for the past, you know, decades of time it wasn't insignificant so yeah 
uh, that might be interesting to pull up to. Okay, so let's do um, let's do our standings watch here before we jump into the games coming up. Let me pull up uh, the recent uh, updated standings because we've had a few games happen tonight, which is uh, Monday night as we're recording this. So, uh, yeah, standing watch is interesting. Now I'm starting to see other fans. You know, we were kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. We were doing standing watch like two weeks before the All-Star break. And now everyone's kind of just doing standing watch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we've been on this. So we, we've been locked in. So, all right, we're going to start with the, the East uh, once again. Dime, are you okay mentioning the 11 seed, or do you want to just jump into the playing teams? I think the Nets deserve some mention. I think they're still in the race. Okay, so behind. still in the race. Still in the race, three games behind. We have the Brooklyn Nets at the 11 seed in the East. Now, here are the play-in tournament teams as of right now. Number 10, Hawks. Nine, Bulls. Eight, Magic. Seven, Pacers. And the top six goes as follows. We have the Miami Heat at six. Five, Sixers. Four bucks, three, no, sorry, four Knicks, three bucks, two Cavs, and number one, as usual, are the Boston Celtics. So, Dime, those are one through 11. That's where things stand. Uh, what stands out to you in the Eastern Conference? Uh, the Miami Heat are on a four game winning streak. Uh, that's big time. Uh, gone back into that six seed, replaced Indiana. And you know what's funny, Edwin? The top six right now. It's just a slightly different order, but it's exactly the six that I had before the season began. Um, and then I had the Nets instead of the Bulls. So I would have 10 out of 10, but Chicago Bulls doing a little uh, number on my rankings. But yeah, other than that, nothing stands out. You know, it's pretty similar to when we left it off. Uh, I think the Knicks need Randall and OG Ananobi back as soon as possible. But yeah, no change really for me. Uh, the Celtics are running away with that one seed, and they've won eight games in a row. So they're currently the hottest team in the league. So I've got to give credit where it's due there. But, yeah, not much change. Yeah. For me, a couple things that are interesting. Uh, one, Miami jumping the top six is interesting. Um, again, they're always a hustle team. They're a tough team. Ooh, right now, dime. I wish we could just pause it because we'd have Bucks heat again in the first round if things ended today. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm Obviously, we're a long way to go, so there's no way to say that's going to definitely be the, the way things are going to go, but that would be oh, that would be awesome. The Pacers are interesting. You know, again, they were the darlings in the beginning of the season, and they look kind of hot, and now I have trouble seeing them staying in the top six. They're out of it right now at seven. I think they're going to – I think they're a play-in bound team, and that's going to be a challenge for them. I think right now if they, if they win their matchup against the Magic and play the Cavs, I, I pick the Cavs over them. They might be – uh, of first round exit and that's kind of wild to say now when you know during the in-season tournament they were considered like oh, one of the best offenses in the history of time and all that kind of stuff well, and now st it's statistically though because every single year the offensive rating is going up because more threes and stuff you they are technically you know one of the best because they are number two in the league in offensive rating i believe after the celtics so they, yeah. they are still a great offensive team i think though edwin you know, them just getting to the playoffs is their goal this year, right? I mean, they haven't been to the play, they haven't been in a playoff series since 2020 in the bubble, I believe. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I wonder if they look at that as success at this point. I think, hmm, I'd have to ask Pacer fans and how you know a few, uh, uh, which I'll probably do that after the show, see what they think. Because I think, I think if the season, when the season started, you'd be correct. But I think seeing how well they did, I think now that might have been skewed. They're like, 
first round exit, that's kind of if, if they don't play well in that first round, I think I think they look at that as disappointment. Like we we were we were better than this for like the first, you know, 30, 40 games, and then it kind of slipped away. But you're right. They also have a horrible defense, which again, as much as people think the defense doesn't matter, you can score all you want. If you can't stop anybody, that, that's not gonna pan out in, in the long run. And that's what we're seeing, right? They caught fire for a moment, they were able to outscore teams. That's kind of died away because offense gets tired. Offense, people catch up to you. They figure out how to stop you, how to slow you down. You have to play defense, and they don't. And that's why they're a seven seed, despite offensive rating being number you know two in the in the league compared to the Celtics. They do it all. So guess what? They're a number one seed. That's the difference. You got to do everything. I think another interesting thing: Trey Young has now is now sidelined for the next three or four weeks. He might not come back. Who knows? I think that means, like you said, Brooklyn. I think at this point, Brooklyn's probably going to get that 10 team and you'll probably see the Hawks out of it. So that's interesting because, you know, the Hawks went from like, you know, West Eastern Conference finalists a couple years back to being a dangerous team to they're going to miss the whole thing. I didn't. That's even, rough. I did. That's so crazy, dude. I didn't even see that on Twitter yesterday. This is the first. Oh, time yeah. This. Uh, yeah. Oh, my it, God. This was announced earlier. Mm-hmm. Here, let me let me pull it up for you. Uh, I, I, believe. I, just, I just pulled it up out at yeah, least four yeah. weeks for finger surgery oh my god man that's yeah, huge that's, that could take him out that's of it. huge 100 percent. and they're already you know the nets are, are coming through now i know cam thomas had an injury today it's still a little fresh so we don't know you know is that super serious is that gonna take him out a couple of days so we don't know about him yet that might also factor in but i think at this point the nets are at least trying and if if he's getting surgery i mean they were struggling with them i can't imagine what the Hawks are going to be without Trey Young for all, the, the final full month of the season. That's devastating. So that's something to, to keep an eye on at the, the margins. Two things interesting to me in the in the Eastern Conference is those playing matchups and then the order of the top six. Like you said, it's the same sites, but the order is going to matter because that's going to decide home court and who gets advantage. And and that's how you end up with one of those Bucks heat matchups where you're like, I might pick the heat, even though they're the, the six seed compared to the Bucks of the three. But We'll keep an eye on it as we go along. All right. Back to the main attraction. We're going to go with the West. I'm going to let you decide, Dime. Should we include the 11 seed or just stay with the playing teams? You know, Edwin, it seems as though the final 10 has been decided. It's the exact 10 that I predicted before the season. I'm being serious. My predictions have looked pretty good. Different order, of course. But it is the 10 I picked. And I'm very happy that I went with Memphis not making it last second when I was like, man, they're really going to be banged up. So I'm really excited that I got it right. Let's get into it. All right. So we got five pretenders. We got 10 contenders. We're going to jump right in. I agree with you. I think the the other teams, the last team, I'll just mention really quick this time, the Jazz, they're not trying to win. Not the players, but the organization, they're, they're done. It, it's over. Those, those five are out. So let's jump right into it. We're going to start with number 10. As everyone predicted, the Golden State Warriors with a healthy Steph Curry are 29 and 27. Obviously, they've been playing a lot better, but they're still they're still they're still a little behind the Lakers. The Lakers are doing just enough winning. They're number 10. And as I just mentioned, the Lakers, number nine, eight, we got the Mavericks, and seven, the Sacramento Kings. That are those are your playing standings. Now, automatically in the playoffs, if it starts today, number six, we got the Pelicans, five, Suns, four, the Clippers. Three, Nuggets, two, Thunder. And again, remaining at number one for all this time, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, Dime, one through ten, what's something you want to talk about in the Western Conference standings? Warriors are eight and two in their last ten games. Lakers are seven and three in their last ten games. 
but they still are significantly behind seven and eight. And it's looking like we're set for a potential collision course for another Lakers Warriors playing game. That's going to be insane. That Cause, but here's the thing. Lakers have home court advantage. Lakers are the winner of the last series. Lakers are the winner of the last plan. Lakers have two superstar level players. I'm taking the Lakers if that game happens. Of course, I would love to see the Warriors win it just to see the meltdown. But I think the Lakers are going to beat them. I really do. I think they're a better, better team. But if they can do anything to get in that 7-8, that would be huge. They might need, you know, some like Luka or Ky- Kyrie to miss games type of deal. Like my little injury or something because I don't know. If they're healthy, I don't think the Lakers are going to catch them. Now, I think what's interesting is Sacramento and Dallas, they have the exact same record. And Phoenix and New Orleans have played one more game than them and have won one more game than them, and they have the same record. So if Dallas and New Orleans win their next game, we've got a four-way tie for the fifth seed. (laughs) So that's insane. And then the Clippers are now down to four, Edwin. It was just two weeks ago we were at the number one seed, and now we're at the four seed, which tells you you can't get complacent. Paul George cannot afford to load manage because I've made it very clear as I think we're going to get home court in the first round, but home court in the second round is something we haven't done with this super team. We should be able to do this, but now it's looking like, are we too old to get a top three seed? Cause here's the thing. The Denver nuggets have won three straight games and they're the Denver nuggets. They're the defending champions. They know what it's about. And I think they're the most safe bet to be a champion again this year. They're the safest bet to to win the championship, in my opinion, even more than Boston, because we've seen him do it. But the last thing I'll say is Clippers need to be careful. The first seed is still definitely up for grabs because we're only two games behind it, two and a half. But Minnesota and OKC are tied for first. So unbelievable. Minnesota. I mean, if you had told somebody before the season, Minnesota and OKC are going to battle for the number one seed, what would you have said? There must have been a lot of injuries this season. <laughs> That's there haven't really said. been to major players, right? <laughs> no, not really. No, everyone's been relatively healthy for the, the most West. part. Uh, yeah, in the West, yes, 100%. So, yeah, for me, I know Stephen A has gone out and said, hey, you know what? Maybe I was wrong about the Pelicans. I'm here to say, Stephen A, you're right. They're frauds. They'll fall. They'll be a playing team. As I said, I said, they will oh, be right be down. They are going to be a playing team. So, I have them dropping. Probably seventh or eighth, but I have them dropping. So, and I have I have probably the Kings climbing up. I think that's that's the most likely scenario. So if that ends up happening, I, I'm still I really want the Lakers to get seven or eight. It's preferably seven. I think it's still possible. But you're right. I mean, they're winning seven of the last ten. Uh, Warriors winning eight of the last ten, and they're barely gaining ground because the West is just so good that it's hard to gain ground when the other team's winning four in a row as well. It's like, okay, well then where am I going to gain that game, that half a game, that full game? It's going to be tough, but I still think the Lakers can push and that they, of course they have, they're thinking the same thing. Matter of fact, uh, Darvin Ham has gone on record saying they've looked at the schedule and they've aimed for three different records that they think they can reach top six, seven, at least the plan. Obviously he didn't reveal what he thinks those numbers are, uh, I miss Dennis because last year he literally told us. <laughs> I don't know why he did that, but he's like, oh, yeah, I think we, we got to go 23 and 6 or something. The last 29 games, he, he's like, oh, yeah, we mapped it out already. And then uh, that didn't happen this year. They didn't, they didn't reveal that. Uh, and nor are they going to. We, we've already asked. But I like the fact that they're already thinking that way. They're planning it out and they're, they're focused on, okay, we need these many wins likely to get to these numbers. I still think they can get to the 7 seed, the 8 seed. The reason you really want that if you're a Lakers fan, besides the fact that it's a higher seed, it just means you get two chances. You have to lose twice to get kicked out. 9-10, 
you just need one loss. You need you, two must-win games, like by pure definition. Uh, of course, the NBA would love to see Lakers Warriors. I do not want that heart attack. Please give me, especially not 9-10. That means you still have to win another game. It's not even an automatic. At least make it automatic, and then I'll be okay. So I think the, the key is, I think the Lakers look at the key being one, getting in either the seventh or eighth, because at least then you just need to win one game. And even if you lose, you have one more chance. That gives you some breathing room. That 9 or 10, it's just, it's it's tough to do. We've seen teams do it. I think the Grizzlies did it the first year we kind of had the plan, but it's just tough. And now with full fans and everything, it's going to be tough. You do not want to deal with that problem. I mean, can you imagine the Lakers on the road in Dallas for the eight seat? Like, I don't want to oh, do that. That's not, but I'm going to tell you this. I think Dallas will finish in playoff spots. I really think that they're, de- they're a top six team in the West now with the addition. So who of- falls? Uh, I think, well, See in the in the preseason predictions, I had Dallas in the plan, but they have made some ch- changes now, and I think that Sacramento will be seven seed. Them or New Orleans? That's my prediction. Those one of those two will play. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah. Matchup. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. So so maybe you also got New Orleans dropping down then, uh, because yeah, it's it's pretty tough. I think at this point. The only four that I think are safe from the plan are the Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers. I think they've shown consistently that they're good enough. The Suns are interesting because they've shown it recently, but I've also seen moments where they didn't. And also, they've had injuries, but also those injuries might keep coming up. You know, like uh, Beal missed the last game. It's all about Beal. I mean, he's the one that's health has been all over the place this year. So, so I'm not, I'm not convinced. The Suns are going to stay healthy and keep their form. I, like I said, I'm not a big Pelicans fan, so I can see them falling. So those are the two teams that I think can fall. They're five and six right now. So I can see them falling just, again, another injury or just a string of bad games where, hey, they're kind of, again, up and down. But it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's that that time of season. Everyone's looking at every game, and you're, you're starting to look, okay, I need these three teams to lose, you know, and us to win, and that puts us here. So we're going to keep an eye on things as they progress here. All right, let's go ahead and quickly go through uh, the games we have coming up this week. First game is our big one, Lakers-Clippers, 7 o'clock, ESPN. I will actually not be in the building because I'll be off because I'm running a lot of stuff on our site uh, this weekend. So I'm, I'm kind of flipped my schedule. So I'll be off. I'll still watch the game, of course, but I, I won't be attending. Dime, who wins? I think we're going to win, but I'm pretty nervous about it, especially if Paul George doesn't play. I think the Lakers, you can argue, might be in slightly better form than we are. And they've you guys have looked good against us this year. Now, I'm supposed to be at this game. But I got locked out of my own section. I told, I said this last week. Yeah, yeah, you, you let us know. Yeah, have you and talked to your rep? Have you have you gotten any any info on that? Texted him, no response. Didn't see him at the game last night. So really disappointed, man. I'm not gonna lie, because I don't have anything on Wednesday. No coaching thing. No nothing. I was I cleared my schedule for this. I didn't go to the last one for this. So really disappointing that I'm one of the original 85 of that of that section and I can't get in. So yeah, maybe I can try to see what I, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, yeah, we, we can, I'm sure, I'm sure you could work some magic there. Let's see what happens. But yeah, I have the Lakers winning. Like you said, I think they play them well. Uh, they're they're in must win, uh, you know, scenarios essentially at this point. I hate the must win word because technically must wins like those playing games. But I'm being a little of a stickler. It's an important game, like you said. All the games are important, and the Clippers are a little bit down. Like you said, they've lost a couple games. The Lakers have pretty much consistently won. Like you said, seven of the last ten. I think the Lakers take care of business. They don't really have any 
major questions like Paul George, you know, LeBron's good, AD's good. I think I think they're going to come with the right energy. I think they're going to win. So we'll see. We're split on those. All right. The next day, though, Lakers-Wizards. I'm going to ask you two questions. One, who wins? And two, will LeBron and AD play in both back-to-backs? It's Thursday, Clippers, uh, Lakers-Wizards? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That'll be a topic of discussion. Because uh, the Wizards game should be a gimme. It really should be a gimme. Oh, wait. I'm um, sorry. It's on a Friday. It's on a Friday. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I thought it was Thursday. Friday. My bad. So, Friday. So, don't worry about the playing, uh, the, the back-to-back question. I think they'll, they'll both play then. But who wins? Lakers. Lakers Wizards. Easily Lakers. Yeah. So, there you go. So, that's a couple wins for the Lakers there. I agree. I think they'll they'll take care of business. Um, I'm not, not too, too worried about it. But at the same time, um, you know, this team just – uh, consistency has not been their strong suit. So I'm hoping that they, you know, um, can get it together here because there have been so many games that we've, we've seen them lose to to good teams, uh, to, to bad teams, and then beat good teams. So it's kind of been a reverse of kind of what you've wanted to be. Uh, but I think at this point they're aware, hey, this is this is gut check time. This is the end of the season. we got to, like, really bring it here. So I'm hoping that kind of, uh, you know, keeps the energy up to where it needs to be. Actually, you know what? I think I, I think I was right. Let me let me let me take a look here at the schedule because I think there's. Let me take a quick look here at Lakers Wizards because I'm seeing uh, something doesn't make sense. No, I was right. It is a back to back. Okay, so there you go. So yeah, you know what I got mixed up with? I checked it. Clippers play the Wizards Friday. So I'm like, they can't play both teams on both days. So something's got to give. So it is Lakers uh, back-to-back. So just real quick, do AD and LeBron play in, in the back-to-back matchups? LeBron's going to miss one of them. And knowing the way he's been re- operating lately, he's going to miss the game against us. Again. <laughs> I'm going to say they both play in both games. Ooh. Yeah, they both play in both games. So I'm going to go with that. And I go with the Lakers beating the Wizards. Now, Friday, the Wizards will be on the back-to-back. Are you said the Lakers are going to beat the Wizards? Are the Wizards going to take the double L in Los Angeles? Yes, they will. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're no no playing with your food. Um, we don't talk about the Wizards in standings watch, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> they're not a good team, they're not in any kind of contention. I think it's over. Um, and, and I think the both teams know hey, we, we gotta win all our games, so we're going to come with the correct energy, especially against these weaker teams. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Both teams take care of business. Uh, Lakers play the Wizards on Thursday at 7.30. Clippers play the Wizards on Friday at 7.30. Same time, different dates. They knock those out. All right. Oh, after that, Lakers, they keep on going with their tough schedule. Um, they play the Nuggets. No, no not the Nuggets. Sorry. I'm all over the place here. Um, I'm back from Vegas, y'all. <laughs> so, I, do they play the Nuggets? Let me see here. Okay, I'm looking at the Clippers schedule. No, I got it. I got go. it. You guys are yeah, playing. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yep, they do play the Nuggets. 530 on ABC. Ooh. Is this the time they finally beat this freaking team time? I hope so. I need, we need some help <laughs> in the standings. So, I'm going to say the Lakers win. I'm going to say Lakers win just because I want it to happen. You know what? Nothing tells me they're gonna do it, so I'm gonna say they do it. <laughs> Why not? I'm sick. I'm so tired of losing to the Nuggets. I, I just please, like, I don't want to see George Carl tweeting anymore. Like, 
I'm over it. I'm over it. So please let let's let's hope the Lakers can, can take care of business and, and just finally get that that demon out of them. It, it's been not it's not been weird because they've been a good team. So it, it you know it's not not an odd thing, but it's just like I mean you got to win one of them and every game's been close. It's, it's just so frustrating. You, you just want to want to see them beat this team that's also a, a definitely a title contender and current champ defending their title and they'll they're definitely going to have something to say about who wins it all so let, let's see if the lakers can pull it off okay sunday now it's the clippers on the matinee they're going to be up there at minnesota 12 30 game what happens dying last time you guys played minnesota it didn't go too good you made rudy gobert look like a hall of famer so <laughs> what's going to happen here this game is, is this the one, the one that's in minnesota or here it's it's at minnesota 12.30 start at Minnesota. Oh, 12.30 in Minnesota? Nah, we're going to lose. <laughs> yeah, same thing. The matinee games are weird. It's a weird start time. I'm not even sure why they're starting that weird. You know, I, I triple check to make sure. I'm like, wait, is it is it really there? Like, yeah, it is. I don't know. Um, but but that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough game. No no favors from the Clippers here at this part of the schedule. Uh, because Monday, they're back at it at 5 o'clock against the Bucks. So I have the, the Clippers losing to Minnie. And Clippers Bucks. I'm gonna say the Bucks take brutal, care of business. That's a brutal right? back to back. Milwaukee <laughs> that's a brutal back to back. Oh my god, dude! Schedule makers. Well, we knew before the season started. They said the Clippers had one of the hardest schedules in the NBA. So we're gonna win it. We'll beat Milwaukee. Right there, you go. The Gnosis. Let's see if he can get it done. <laughs> All right. And then wrapping it up also Monday, uh, Lakers Thunder later on. That's going to be here in Los Angeles. Oh, man. These, these are the, I mean, I always miss Jared Vanderbilt, but these are the games I really miss Jared Vanderbilt because not that he's an SGA stopper, but he was an SGA irritant. He was able to guard him really well. He's not going to be, I don't think, to me, though, anytime soon. They, they still need to reevaluate him, uh, hoping he even comes back at all this season. So, oh. Okay, so I have the Lakers beating the Clippers, have the Lakers beating the Wizards, have the Lakers beating the Nuggets. Okay, you know what? I'm going to just say the Thunder take care of business. They win Monday night. Uh, what do you think? Same. I think the Thunder just going to play a little too fast for them. And without Vando, we'll see what happens with SGA. But you guys match up pretty well with them because your size overwhelms them, and that's their weakness. That's what we, what we, what we don't really have. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, like I said, we're, we're getting closer and closer. I believe next week, I'll let you know, Dime, uh, I believe we'll officially be past the three quarter mark so we can do our our end of the season awards at the third quarter mark and now we'll be able to kind of see okay here's where we're at and then uh we, we can give out the awards for you know uh, mvp six man we'll look at uh peak performers and points rebounds assists all that all that jazz and see kind of how how things have changed if they've changed so that'll be interesting uh we'll probably have to do the pod on tuesday so it'll come out a little bit later because the clippers play the bucks and the lakers play the thunder i'll be at lakers thunder I don't see how we can record a 3 a.m., 4 a.m. pod. Probably better to do something on Tuesday, but we'll work that out. Um, and there it is. That's episode 19. So that's the end of episode 19 here on Basketball on Figueroa. I'm Edwin Garcia. That is slash was Darian Waziri, a.k.a. Dime Dropper. And we out. See you next week.